And we are back for another year of talking about NRL fantasy. Um, it's our first podcast for the season. My name's Chris Kennedy. I'm in the studio with Don Brock. Um, trials have already started. There's a few little talking points. The uh, the cash cows are bubbling to the surface. Uh, Dom, you pumped for the new season ahead? <laughs> sure am. It's been a very, very long off-season in a lot of ways. So it's great it? to have the uh, the footy back. Uh, All-Stars was great on Friday night. Um, we've already had one or two little clues from trial games over the weekend. Um, no injuries from the weekend, which is yeah. great as well. Uh, Brett Morris destroyed Wigan on uh, Monday morning, which was fun sure as did. well. So, uh, yeah, good to have the footy back. So format today, we're going to just go through a few of the little talking points um, from the weekend's trials, a um, little bit of a look ahead, and then um, the podcast for the preseason, I'm going to go through the top 10 most popular players by position. Um, so today's going to be the hookers and the front row forwards. Um, kick off with some trial talk. Um, All-stars, did we learn a lot, do you think? We learned that Andrew Fafita can have very big games sometimes, which I guess we knew already. Um, he was the best of the lot. In that All-Stars game, Kalen Ponga had a bit of an off game uh, at 5'8 for the Maori side. Uh, again, not a huge clue. He played one game at 5'8 for the Knights last year and was all right. I think he maybe scored 40 or something in fantasy. Um, we think in general that his scoring is probably going to dip a bit at 5'8 yeah. compared to fullback. Um, but yeah. He had a few more tackles, but not, not enough to make up for the loss of run meters and breaks. And, and that sort breaks, of stuff. yeah. Um, but yeah, Fafita's right up there in the captaincy options this year if he continues to play anything like that. He played big minutes as well in that All-Stars mm. game. Uh, otherwise, yeah, a fun game to watch, but a lot yeah. of players playing out of position and various things, so not a lot of huge clues out of that one. What about uh, the fact that Tyrone Roberts was so good at halfback um, for the Indigenous side? That's obviously a good sign. For the Titans, we're now expecting him and Ash Taylor to be the halves yep. for round one. Um, they've obviously got five or six to go into four in terms of their, their yep. spines. So we're currently thinking potentially Michael Gordon first came up the rank at fullback. AJ Brimson might not be the odd man now and have to start the yeah. season from the bench. I know they've got he was one I was sort of eyeing off as a you know potential option to start the year just because he was so good. Yeah, I mean, Brimson was great at fullback last year. Um, I was thinking he was going to start there again this year based on that. Um, they've also got uh, Peachy. They've got to fit somewhere. Um, Five-eighth is probably the best place to get the most out of him, but he can play anywhere in the you mm. know, centres or lock or something. So. It seems like Peachy will be centre, but they've actually got a few yeah. genuine backline options right through the, the centre wing spots. Yeah, so the one well. team that really the trials will give us a few real clues about mm. how they're going to line up. Uh, their forward pack's pretty interesting as well this year. Um, yeah, Jaira is probably the pick of them, but you know we'll see how they shape up. Mm. Another guy who was good in that game was uh, young Broncos forward David Fafita. Yeah. Now, there's so many forwards at the Broncos, even with guys like you know, Thayde retiring, Maguire leaving, Corbin Sims yeah. leaving. There's still a lot of forwards. Um, so it's hard to see how a young guy like David Fafita gets that that starting jersey with you know Alex Glenn, Matt Chillett, Jaden Sewer all around. But yep. um, he was very, very good, very strong, very fast as well. I, I noticed uh, chasing through for that try. Yep. Um, is he potentially? I know he's sort of already he's above rookie price, but he's uh, obviously a good player in the making. Yeah, there's a lot of young uh, Broncos getting a lot of uh, hype in fantasy already. We're going to talk about one or two of them uh, today. But uh, yeah, for Fafita, I like more than a lot of them actually. Um, his challenge will be getting a starting second row spot probably ahead of Alex Glenn. You assume Matt Gillett starts if he's mm. fully fit. Um, I think Gillett will start with Jaden Sewer, to be honest. I think well, Sewer was rock solid last yeah. year as well, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's really about minutes for all those guys. So, Fafita, mm. 
I think he'll score well when he's on the field, but it's just a case of playing yeah. know, bulk minutes. Um, the other game on almost at the same time was out at St Mary's um, Parramatta against yeah. the Raiders. I was out at this one, which is why I've sort of seen the All-Stars game as, as highlights rather than uh, getting the chance to watch it in full, but I was out at St Mary's. Um, Parramatta played the first 60-odd minutes or 50 minutes with um, very close to a full-strength team from what was available, obviously missing um, Blake Ferguson, Bevan French, Brad Takarangi to the, uh, the All-Stars game and um, one or two others sitting out. Um, Nathan Brown, I think, is being managed, but otherwise yep. they're pretty close to full strength. And they actually looked, and it's only a trial, um, they actually looked pretty slick. Um, Raiders, it must be said, were, were very much, um, I don't want to say reserve grades, they had a lot of NRL quality guys there, but a lot of players that probably won't be in their round one 17, so a lot of their depth kind of guys, both in the forwards and the backs. Um, start with the Eels, because um, the one that everyone wants to to know about and talk about at the moment is is young half Dylan Brown. Um, now the thing I've, I've written about this is a you know some some fantasy bits and pieces on the side already about Dylan Brown, but the um, the key points for coaches are um, bear in mind he's very young, he's only eighteen, so he's even if he's really good early on, he's going to have ups and downs. Uh, obviously starts at rookie price, he hasn't played yet. Um, what I liked was his composure. He looked very calm. I know it wasn't the the full pressure of an NRL game, but um, he was playing against you know. Season playing against players, the, the, yeah. the big men, um, polished long kicking game. He um, he earned a repeat set early on with a really nice long kick down the touchline, probably a, a little bit Corey Norman esque. Um, pinned the uh, the winger in the corner, and, and George Jennings was able to toss the winger into touch, and, and the Eels got the ball back, and that would have been a you know probably two points from the, the yep. forty kick meters just from that play. Um, so quite a few nice long kicks. Uh, more than anything, just his willingness to run the ball and, and take the line on. He didn't. Um, it was one really, really dangerous run where he um, sort of evaded a bit of the defence. Would have got a, a tackle break or two, and it could have scored a try, but the um, the defence recovered. And another run in the second half where he ran. 25 to maybe 30 metres with sort of three or four guys yeah. hanging off him which for a, a young half is super impressive and the Eels scored off the next play from a, a Clint Gutherson uh, kick that Michael Jennings chased down so um, a lot of really good signs for, for Dylan Brown and it, the, the other key point there is he looks almost certain to be the um, the half for, for round one now. Yeah his running game and his defence I think look pretty solid for a, a kid his age he's going to be targeted a lot in defence you would think so that could be you know pretty decent tackle count numbers uh, for a half, Mitch Moses, you expect to be the dominant playmaker, yeah. so kick metres is a bit of a question mark, but the fact he's got a decent long-kicking game really helps. And, yeah, at his rookie price, if he starts... So he would have scored, I think, 40 points, we think, from around that from that game on the weekend, which would be fantastic if he, mm. if he does that week in, week out. Even 35, 30 yeah. is... Um, you know, that's a lot of money you'll make out of him as a cash cow. And that's without a line break, without a try, yeah. without a try assist, which are all things that he's probably going to pick up a few of if he, he does play regularly. Yeah. Um, Mitch Moses was very good. Yeah, he was, was probably great. a bit up and down, but he had two stunning solo sort of try assists where he just individual brilliance to, to set up tries for, for teammates. Um, he's been probably a bit too hot and cold in the past for a fantasy option, but he has gone through stretches where he's averaged 50-plus over a six- yeah. or eight-week period. So, obviously, he and Neils were pretty forgettable in 2018, but um, potentially upside there for him. Um, Clint Gutherson was really strong, and this uh, it's important to note this is his second year back from a, a knee yeah. reconstruction. So, last year he came back in about round eight, and it's anyone who's you know been through it will will tell you that you know, you're know you not your best until the, the second year back. So, he was a... Um, 
he was a fantasy factor before he got injured. Yep. He wasn't really last year. Um, I took a punt on him um, when his price bottomed out, and I think I ended up selling him for about a 50k profit, but it was nothing near sure. what I would have wanted, uh, enough to call it a successful trade. Um, last one I wanted to mention was Junior Paulo, who was probably the best player on the field. He was an absolute force at three or four first-half offloads, huge charges, just um, putting the, the Raiders right on the back foot. He's not someone who's ever got enough minutes to be a fantasy factor, but someone with bigger minutes. Potentially a mid-range sort of discount option? Yeah, I hadn't really considered him at all until that game where he was crashing through defenders and offloading at will uh, at times. So, yeah, I mean, if he if he could play big minutes, and he's not really that kind of player, like he's a massive impact kind of guy, but um, you look at the top front rowers in fantasy there for feeder to power these mm. big guys who can offload who can make tackle breaks and he kind of fits that mold a little um but you know at a cheaper price and he probably won't score any you know close to those guys but if he gets i don't know 40 45 i'm not really sure what his break even is but he could be a value you know maybe borderline keeper depending on how their props go this year yeah and, i mean he's obviously going to be sort of the main guy alvaro was extremely good extremely yep. consistent last year and he was good on the weekend as well but um you know, Tim Manners not getting any younger. You know, Kane Evans is out of favour. There's a few young guys, so uh, I think... Yeah, he's um, definitely the main man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, shall we talk about the World Club Challenge? Sure. Um, yeah, so the first half was the Brett Morris show playing his first game full of roosters at left centre. Um, he'll be lining up on the wing yeah. in round one. Uh, when Latrell Mitchell comes back, Latrell was obviously playing All-Stars instead that weekend. Um uh, he would have had a massive fantasy score. He made 11 tackle breaks. He um, kept carrying defenders over the line for tries, made 20 tackles. So you have to kind of disregard that for the most part. But, um, uh, but yeah, his record's pretty good when he plays in winning teams. Um, uh, Lone Scout had a story on NRL.com on Monday about that, that uh, he's been, his fantasy numbers have been way down the last few years, but he's been mm. playing at a struggling Bulldogs team. And so, you know, if he's on the end of a few big you know backline plays from the Roosters this year which will happen um, if he gets more run meters than he's been getting he could be a factor I think he's about 370k so reasonably mm. cheap priced at about a 26 break even yeah. he averaged 42 in 2015 with plenty of busts and tries so if he can I mean, he's had some knee problems since then but if you can recapture something like that he could be a yeah an I mean even high 30s would make it worth it um the other talking point from the Roosters game was uh, Victor Radley, who's very popular, started at lock, like he did in the uh, grand final last year. So that's a good sign for him. He didn't have a huge game. Um, wouldn't mm. have been a big fantasy performance, but um, the fact he's getting 50 minutes in the middle is encouraging if you're looking at him as a bit of a mid-range cash cow. Um, otherwise, I don't know, any other real talking points from that game? Hard to kind of... Yeah, not really. I mean, Tedesco was quiet, but yeah. I don't think we're That's too gonna happen sometimes. worried about First him. Game of the season. He's a long-term proven fantasy gun. Definitely. Um, Kiri and Kronk, I don't think are on the radar. Jake Friend's probably got a few other better options ahead yeah. of him in terms of hookers. Friend made 50 tackles, which is what he does. Standard. But, You'd make um, 50 tackles and score 50 points I or think something. I think probably <laughs> did that, yeah. So... Um, you know, you know what you get out of him, but there yeah. are a few other guys who are a little better fantasy-wise, I think, and we'll talk about them in a minute. Anything else trial-wise? I know the um, the Broncos were in action. Apparently, Payne Haas played well. Yeah, Payne Haas played well for a second-string Broncos team against uh, South Logan. Um, you know, he stood out, but he was also the, the standout player going into it. So, encouraging sign if you've got him, but his minutes are a big question mark as well, which I guess we'll touch on when we talk about the 
about the uh, popular props. Top tens. Should we get amongst tens. it? Start Let's with it. the. Uh, I'll start with the number nines, and the number ten, number nine is uh, Brandon Smith, currently in four percent of teams. Um, interesting one. He's probably um, it's a it's a story on NRL.com recently about a, a slightly evolving role for Cameron Smith this year, maybe spending some time in the halves or you know it's a bit of a loose forward kind of role and, and getting Brandon Smith more involved at dummy half if he's. Minutes go up. Is he an option, or is a essentially still a bench hooker? He's just too too risky. I think so. Yeah. I mean, he, the role that was spoken about him playing a bit of time at dummy half with Cameron Smith as a roving kind of playmaker, lock, what have you. Um, uh, it's a bit what they did last year. So Brandon Smith played twenty or thirty minutes a game, especially towards the end of last season. Um, they want to keep him happy with decent game time while Cameron Smith uh, sticks around for the next two years, so I can see why they'll do it. But it's hard to know how much of a difference it's going to be this year. Um, he's pretty cheap because he didn't play much last year, but bench hookers are a w- real gamble in, in mm. fantasy. So I'd probably be uh, steering clear. There's, there's cheaper guys and there's safer guys. So yeah, one to watch maybe, but uh, not, a, not a number one option at the moment. Yep. Um, in ninth place, the aforementioned Jake Friend, and like you said, you pretty much know exactly what you're going to get from him. He's not going to average quite as much as your, um, you know, Cameron Smith, Damien Cook, Cam McInnes types, but he's pretty good for 50 a week. Are we expecting him to mostly get 80 minutes if Victor Radley's more of a uh, a lock than a hooker? Yeah, exactly. That's the one thing going in his favour um, is that he didn't play the full 80 that much last year, when especially when Radley was on the bench. Um, this year, it looks like Radley's a first-choice starter at lock rather than being a bench you know, hooker slash middle forward. So, Friend can play 80. It looks like he will play 80. Um, I don't know if that's going to you know, increase his average enough to make him a real fancy force. He's probably not going to be in the top three mm. hookers. Last year, those were Cook, Cameron Smith, and Cameron McGuinness, I think. Yep. Uh, McCulloch's probably up there as well. So, yeah, Friend's kind of a bit stuck between not really big moneymaker and not a, uh, a definite keeper. So, again, probably can do better. In uh, eighth spot in 6% of teams is Cameron McInnes. Um, was extremely good last mm. year. Played 80 more often than not. Um, good for a lot of tackles and uh, probably a bit of an underrated running game, I guess, just because Damien Cook's running game was so good. But I think McInnes might have been almost the second best um, or maybe top three with Isaac Luke in terms of um, mm. you know run meters from, from dummy half and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, he really improved as the year went on. Um, first couple of months, he was solid. And then after that, he averaged close to 60 points a game, which is Cameron Smith kind of numbers. Um, yeah, which is a good sign. But I guess start of this year... Um, you can look at that two ways. Does that mean he starts a little slow? Um, mm. Or is it a, a kind of matched up with the Dragons were great for the first couple of months of last season, uh, in which case their hooker didn't need to take make that many tackles. And mm. then once the Dragons slump, as they tend to do, unfortunately, halfway through the year, every year, uh, that's when his scores took off. So if you think the Dragons will start well and they've got a good team, um, then maybe he won't be getting 60 points a week from round one. So you can look at that two ways. Yeah, a bit of upside. Mm. He's probably going to be one of those elite hookers by the end. But again, I don't know, that question mark about whether he's going to start great or start like he started last year. Mm. Crunch some numbers on the Dragons uh, slide once they uh, did start to drop off. And one of the, the real stats that jumped out at me was that first 12 or so weeks when they were at number one, they were the best team at maintaining possessions. They were averaging something like 56% of possession per game across that period, which mm. is... Stunning, and they went through a six or eight 
week patch where they only won one or two games and they're averaging about 42% of possession. Um, so that would have had a huge impact on McInnes's, uh tackle counts. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, you kind of want them losing almost for him to be a, yeah. a real fantasy force. So uh, yeah, it depends what you think of the Dragons, I suppose. But, yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. Uh, seventh most popular number nine as of time of recording with 7% ownership is uh, Reid Marnie, who uh, is someone I probably didn't mention from the uh, the Eels trial, mm. but he uh, he played that first 55 minutes unchanged along with the rest of the spine. Um, there were some signs of rust, but he did look pretty sharp out of dummy half, um, maybe one or two defensive misreads, but for the most part tackled well for a, a young bloke who's you know not all that big. He's you know quite strong, quite nuggety, quite sharp out of dummy half. Yep. Um, Brad Arthur, speaking to us reporters at the end, all but confirmed that, that Reid Marnie will be the number nine for round one. Kayser Pritchard was, was uh, unavailable, injured anyway, for that trial. Um, so it looks like it's going to be potentially Reid Marnie in an 80-minute gig. It depends what they do with someone like um, Will Smith or if they have a utility on the bench or if they move Jamin Salmon around a few different spots. But if he's, uh, you know priced it as a guy who had some bench games and some some lower scores last year and then turns into an 80-minute hooker, then he could be a good mid-range option. Yeah, I really like the looks of him. He, um, he's got a break-even of 33. He played the 80 a few times last year, or at least 70 minutes a few times, and scored in the mid-40s. Uh, in those games, uh, he's one of those guys who's rising up the ranks of these top tens. He's jumped up a spot in the last few days or in the last week mm. uh, in this list, and you can see why. Um, yeah, it's just, just one of those pure cash cows. He looks like he's going to play 80 minutes, break even of 33. Every hooker who plays 80 should score at least 40 points a game, you'd yeah. expect. So, yeah, a lot to like there, assuming he does hold that spot. Yeah, well, unless something changes between now and round one, he's definitely in my team. I've got him as my second hooker on the bench currently. Yep. Uh, sixth most popular is uh, Raiders hooker Josh Hodgson at 9% ownership. One of the stories of the preseason was they've uh, shipped down uh, Michael Ennis, he of the uh, Viking club, <laughs> to, to help out Josh Hodgson. Crowd favourite at Canada, uh, Mick Ennis was uh, obviously a great hooker, a premiership winning hooker, played Origin, but I don't know if uh, Josh Hodgson actually needs all that much help in learning how to play hooker. He's he probably he's the doing. second yeah. best number nine on the planet. He's Definitely. the English test hooker. Um, Fantasy-wise, though, he's he's never really been like an out-and-out superstar, has he? Yeah, no, he's, he's a great attacking player, attacking hooker, um, a real playmaker, but he doesn't really get through those massive tackle counts that makes you know Cameron Smith an elite uh, hooker or even those guys who are mostly defenders like Friend or uh, McInnes. So, yeah, um, you know, he's coming back from a... Uh, Injury-affected mm. season last year, so he could. Well, he's another that. one who's second year back from an exactly. reconstruction like Clint Gutherson, so should be better than last year. But whether that makes him a fantasy force, is yeah. Nice. So his break-even is forty-four. He's never actually scored fifty points a game across a whole season. So you want that average to jump up to mid fifties if you want to get mm. him as your um, either as a moneymaker or as a. Uh, keeper, so again, he's just a rung below those those top yeah. hookers. Canberra's going to want him on the field, you know, as much as possible. But he does have the likes of Silva Havili there, exactly, who's yeah. a, a good hooker who can play. He's probably going to be in the team. So I don't I don't know if he's guaranteed eighty every week. Yep. Uh, what's next? Andrew McCulloch in fifth, eleven percent ownership. Um, he's someone not currently in my team, but looking strongly at as potentially being a, I guess, a season long keeper who's probably not going to average quite as much as McInnes and Smith, but, um, you know, is also cheaper, which is appealing. Yeah, he's done it before. He's averaged really high 50s before. Um, he can have massive games when he uh, does a bit in the tack, you know, gets through a lot of tackles, but he also got a good kicking game, can 
Uh, scored the got try, decent running game when he wants to. He's got a new coach in Anthony Seabold who's just overseen Damien Cook's rise to superstar him mm. in 2018. So um, there's a lot to like. His break even's under 50. He could score 55. Um, so yeah, if you get him, you're thinking as you're thinking that he's going to be up there with Cameron Smith and Cook, and McInnes, these guys, but for cheaper than all those guys. Mm. So a lot to like. It's a little bit of a gamble that he improves on last year. It's hard to know if the new coach changes things or mm. or, or what. But um, yeah, not a bad option if you want one of those real top players. And you know, uh, hope that McInnes is going to uh, McCulloch's going to. Uh, it's calling <laughs> Macca. <laughs> He's going to get back there, then then uh, he's a good option. But, yeah, not a guarantee, I don't think, in, mm. in my book. Is he another one who's second year back from a knee? He is, Rico, yeah. So yeah. there's another sort of potential bit of upside there. Fourth most popular is uh, Kurt Mann at 13% ownership. Lots of uh, suggestion that he may end up claiming that starting number nine jersey at Newcastle despite Danny Levi and Zach Wolford and a few other guys floating around. Um, I guess that will put him more in the um, the Reed Marnie bracket of sort of mid-range price, but potentially a starting hooker. Yeah, job. so he's cheaper than Marnie, break even in the mid-20s. Um, it's all about that, whether he starts or not. And the latest I've heard is it looks like going back to Levi starting and uh, man on the bench. He does he does tick all the boxes as, uh, you know, the perfect bench utility. utility. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's never actually played hooker, so mm. it's a bit of a gamble on that front, but he's played everywhere in the back line. Um, could play in the middle, you know, so... It's he was getting used as a lock replacing DeBellin last year, yeah. and I actually spoke to him about it towards the end of the year, and he didn't really seem to be enjoying the old middle forward. But world. he can do it, so yeah. they'll use him like that. So, yeah. So my guess at this point would be that he will start in the fourteen jersey yeah. rather than number nine uh, in round one. So in that case, he's a no go. But you'd expect his ownership to plummet if that is the case. Exactly. And he's named it at yeah. fourteen. Um, number three, the GOAT dethroned Cameron Smith, 15% ownership. Is it just because he's too expensive or do, is everyone sort of thinking that he's uh, going to start to slip? I don't know. I mean, he's. we had that story last week, as you mentioned, with Brandon Smith maybe getting more game time. People could be a bit spooked by that. That doesn't necessarily mean Smith will be benched too often. I mean, if they're Storm are winning by 30, they might bench him at the end of mm. games, but we've thought that could happen for the last few years and it never really happens. He doesn't like going off. Yeah. Um, he's 35. At some point, he has to slow down, but again, we've said this for the last three years and it hasn't mm. happened. Uh, he averaged 60 points a game last year, even after that shocker in against the Sharks early on when he got sin-binned and scored 30-odd. It's, it's um, low 20s, I think. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, so... I still like him as an option, to be honest. Like he's oh, never yeah. he's never shown that he's he's gonna. There's been no evidence yet that he's declining. So uh, he's very expensive. He's cheaper than Cook. Um, he might drop a little if Brandon Smith takes more responsibilities this year. But even then, he should score high fifties, which could be more than you know McCulloch, McInnes, friend, all these guys. So yeah, always a always a safe option. I think Cameron Smith. For sure. Number two at 19% ownership is Damien Cook, the fantasy player of 2018, the the breakout star. Uh, I know a lot of us, I think both of us included, started with him once we got news that he'd taken the starting number nine jersey from Robbie Farrer and even then couldn't have possibly anticipated the the explosion in his form. just his running game, tearing teams apart, breaking tackles, you know, doing everything, still you know, making 50 tackles a game. Um, but, gee, he's expensive now. 
Yeah, so we bought him last year mostly because of his price. He was so cheap. We knew he was going to make money. Uh, we didn't expect him to be the best player in the game and quite comfortably in the end, scored 65 points a game, which is enormous. It's really hard to see him doing that again mm. this year. You know, every opponent knows what he's going to do now. Um, uh, so his form will have to be fantastic to keep that up. Got a new coach. Wayne Bennett might change things a bit at Souths. Who knows? Um, even leaving that aside, he costs so much money. Mm. Uh, what is it, up in the 900s? So, yeah. Um, yeah, if you can squeeze him in and still get a good team around him, then go for it. But uh, mm. it makes it a lot simpler if you go for cheaper options. The only real reason I can see to start with him is the theory that you'd need a captain who's going to get you double points. You just want the yeah. best player possible, so then you're filling your team around that. But even then, I've kind of, I'm looking at a a McInnes or a Fafita or a Jake Travojevic or, or someone who's going to be not quite that explosive yeah. but still I think consistent. it's almost that plus if you have doubts about Smith yeah, because Brandon Smith and McInnes because um, Dragons might start slow or whatever or McCulloch won't bounce back like if you have all those doubts and you go oh, I'll just play it safe and get the best player from last year then, then do it but uh, yeah he uses up a lot of your salary cap sure does um Number one spot, probably not the name I was expecting, but 21% ownership as a hooker is uh, Victor Radley. Yeah, he's a dual position player. We mm. forget a bit sometimes because he's going to be in the back row this year, but he does play a bit of hooker. Um, yeah, really popular buy as a mid-range cash cow, just a popular player in general last year. Um, yeah, so he spent a lot of time on the bench in 2018, which means his break-even's down at 34 um, mm. He did get hold of the starting spot in the lock by the end of the season, played a few games in the second row as well. Um, so it looks like he's going to start at lock. Um, if he scores 44, 45, 46 points a game like he did last year at lock, then that's a 10-point jump. So mm. makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, he's not going to play you know, 80 minutes if he plays in the 13, probably around 50 minutes. So he needs to be yeah. really busy while he's on the field. Uh, busier than he was in the World Club Challenge, which may have scared mm. a few people off if they look at his uh, numbers from that game. But, yeah, I still like him as an option. Dual position is handy. Um, this year, with the way trades work, it's really flexible. If You, yeah. you can pick it even start him at hooker and then um, get a big gun later on and shuffle things around as you like. So, yeah, I still like him. A lot of f people have kind of gone on, off, gone on and off him already yeah. this preseason, but... Um, yeah, I see a lot of potential there. He's still really young. He's 20, so he should improve yeah. as a player anyway. Um, so even just his, his scores could improve just based on you know, general improvement as a, as a player around. Mm. I'm almost certain his price will go up through the season just yeah. based on what his role is going to be and what his price is now. But as a, as How a much, I guess. probably a 50-minute-ish lock, I don't think he's probably going to average keeper territory. But like you say, there's enough upside that he's worth starting the season with. He'd have to average at least mid-40s to really make it worthwhile. Yeah. Yep. Right, let's uh, cast our eye to the most popular front row forwards at this point in time. And coming in at number 10 is Raiders young gun Emre Gula in 7% of teams. He was in action against the Eels on uh, last Saturday out at St Mary's. Um, played well, didn't play huge minutes, but um, you know held his own. And we, what we saw in very limited uh, chances last year, he's uh, a prospect for the future, sort of a big, strong, rangy type. Yeah, yeah. Um so last year played a few games around half an hour. Uh, you know, each game, it's hard to know if he's going to get any more than that. I mean, the Raiders have lost a lot of big men, but they've recruited a few more Englishmen again uh, this year. <laughs> so it's not like he's necessarily gone up in the pecking order that much, unless they want 
you know, a real towering figure in that starting team again to replace Shannon Boyd. But, yeah, I mean, you'd have to guess he's on the bench at best. You'd hope he gets a lot of minutes, but hard to see him getting, say, 40 minutes mm. uh, necessarily if he's on the bench. If he does get 40 minutes, then uh, he averaged, what, 25 and 29 minutes uh, a game last year, so they could get up to... I don't know, 30, 35. His break-even's down at 20, so mm. it's just a bit of a gamble about his minutes, so a bit risky, but there aren't a lot of great cheap options in the front row this year, so I can see why people are going yeah, there. Yeah, true. And I think people are just looking at Paulo and Boyd, like you said, leaving and just figuring this extra minutes to go exactly, around in that yep. Canberra pack. I'm assuming Soliola will start, yep. um, but where the rest of them go is the, the question. Um, number nine is an interesting option, also in 7% of teams. I don't have him currently, although I think you're a bit... Uh, warmer on him than I am, which yeah. is uh, Bulldogs big man Aidan Tolman with uh, obviously David Clemmer leaving the club. Yeah, so the thing for him has been the departures of, of star front rowers that he was playing with. So Clemmer gone now, Woods left midway through last year. He mm-hmm. uh, scored 27 points a game at the start of last year when he was playing with Aaron Woods, which is not great for a front row or even by his previous standards. But then when Woods left, he became... You know, the real go-to big-minute guy um, up front. Scored 49 points a game without him. His break-even's 38. So if he keeps scoring 48 or 49 or 50, then he's a cash cow. It also would make him a borderline keeper. Mm. Um, so it's that tricky thing of if he scores just under that, you probably want to upgrade him later on, which is a bit of a messy trade, trading a 48-point player for a, what, a 51, 52-point player, which could be awkward. But, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know potential there for growth they do have Dylan Napper who's another mm. quality big man but doesn't quite play as many minutes as Clemmer so the potential's there I think certainly put more thought into that than I have <laughs> speaking of Dylan Napper he's in at number eight nine uh, percent ownership um, still a question mark over whether he's going to have any uh, case to answer in terms of a suspension for uh, being in the, the headlines for the wrong reasons over summer um, but he uh, was on the bench a lot for the, the Roosters mm. towards the end of last year, fell out of favour with Trent Robinson and ended up sort of playing sort of half-hour games as, as someone who in the past has shown he can handle 50 or, or even at times 80-minute games. Yeah, this is a straight you know, role change issue where he scored 24 points a game last year as a, as you say, small-minute forward for the Roosters. It will be one of the big guns with the Bulldogs. So, yeah, you want his minutes to go up to 40 points a game, similar situation um, to guys like Guller. Um, yeah, so he's pretty cheap for a... For an origin player, um, as you say, a few question marks about round one, but um, yeah, definitely potential there, depending on what his game time's like. Another guy who's moved clubs is in at number seven, 10% ownership, um, brand new cowboy Josh McGuire, who I think um, we're probably expecting to start as a prop, having mostly been a lock for Brisbane in recent years. Yeah, I don't really get this one, to be honest. No. He's moving to the Cowboys, who already have a great forward pack, especially in the middles. They've got... Jordan McLean, Matt Scott, and most importantly, Jason Tomalolo, who yep. plays in the same position that Maguire traditionally played. Um, if anything, I see him going backwards, but um, yep. but he's been very popular. So can you talk me around? No, I don't understand <laughs> it at all. I mean, people say lock and prop is the same position these days, but the facts remain that props are more of a 40-minute, you yep. know, right in the middle, whereas locks are, you know, often 60-minute um, gig. And I can only see Maguire's minutes going backwards and yeah. even if his points per minute creep up slightly as a, a starting prop I can't see that balancing out the, the likely decrease in, in minutes going to a um, like you said Scott you know, Bolton Tamalolo McLean like a lot of yeah. good big minute middle forwards he's, he's going there as a you know a premium buy and a current 
kangaroo, but I just you know don't see where the um, the upside is at all. Yeah, we've seen you know last season the Dragons had all these quality forwards and they all kind of you know balanced mm. each other out, um, cancelled each other out as as fantasy options. So yeah. that looks like it could be the case. I still think Tom Lolo is going to be great, but um, yeah, Maguire, I'm mm. not sure. Yep, I don't get it. Number six is Sam Burgess at 12%. Um, it's a lot going on here to, to unpack. Uh, he's been a, a fantasy superstar in the past, never quite got there last year, and now yep. we're talking about him potentially moving to an edge, which should see him, you'd think, sort of pumping out consistent 80-minute games, but does his work rate go down enough to make him a real non-factor? Yeah, I mean, the 80-minute the thing gets dwelled on a bit too much sometimes because mm. second row, like edge second rowers play 80 minutes usually. Uh, locks usually don't, but they all can still, you know, a lock playing 55 or 60 minutes probably scores as much as a second row playing 80 minutes just because they're more involved, you know, each set. So not necessarily a huge change there unless he gets, I don't know, a few more attacking stats maybe, mm. um, running it at wide defenders I don't know but yeah it's that issue of you know we've known he's been great in the past and you see his price and you're like he's cheaper than yep. you know other stars but his fantasy scoring has dropped in the last few years so it's a little bit of a leap of faith that he's going to get back to where he used to be we've had players like this like Jesse Bromwich in the last few years when mm. people have gone I think yourself included you know yep. surely this is the year he gets back to what he used to be and it just doesn't happen so yeah a bit of a gamble I mean it's, you can make gambles in at the start of the season and then especially guys of this price and then downgrade or upgrade yeah um, with your early trades if he seems to be uh, flopping but um, yeah I haven't really considered him myself this season he was in my original um, team when I first put it together and I've since sort of refined it and he's um, he's sort of been left on the scrap heap second row I guess is an interesting one because you've got guys like you know think of a, a Vilyami Kikau who yep. it's like you know get him the ball in his tears defences apart he can make a line break you know a lot of line break assists with the offloads and then you've got guys like you know Frank Winnerstein we've had in our teams who mm. can go 60 minutes without sort of without making a tackle or touching the ball and you think what's he what's he been doing the whole time and it's um can go either way for a, an edge forward and especially for someone who's used to playing in the middle but you'd think with a you know a big name like Sam Burgess he's going to be a, a focal point yeah in attack I mean I guess he's replacing uh, Angus Crichton who scored in the 50s mm. in the last couple of years um his break even is 45 Burgess so yeah, I mean, he should improve. It's just whether it gets to, if he goes up to 48, is that worth it? If yeah. he gets up to 55, it probably is. So, um, And if he stays where he is, then you're, you're better off having someone else. Number five is probably not a name I was expecting to see in the top five, which is uh, young Canberra prop Royce Hunt at 12% ownership. And this is going to be from the same school of Paulo and Boyd are gone, so let's get a Canberra prop, I think. Yeah, that's... That's probably being generous. He's very cheap. <laughs> People want someone cheap. You said you saw him uh, Yeah, he play. played in the trial. He the was weekend. one of a, uh, a number of depth forwards who yeah. were, like, I don't want to be unkind, but were fairly convincingly mm. outmuscled by the Eels in the first half before kind of getting things back in the, the second when a lot of the Eels' top squad went off. Um, played one NRL game in 2017, I think. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, a young guy on the way up, but I think, you know, even with... Shannon Boyd and Junior Paulo gone. I think there's a few guys in front of him. We've yeah. seen, you know, Emre Guler and you know Jack Murchie, a few other guys, you know, make strides in that that Raiders pack. They've bought, um, you know, two two guys over from Sutton, England. Yeah, Bateman. Yep, Sutton and Bateman. One's a prop. One's a, an edge forward. Um, I don't, like you said, he's very cheap. I don't really see. 
Yeah, so we've okay. confirmed he definitely exists and he's not yeah, injured. I've seen so, him in real life. So there too, he's a real pluses, person. But that's about it as far as it's going, I think. Yeah, not sure. I think I'm expecting that ownership to drop down come round one when he's one with 17. Hope, yeah. Uh, number four is a proven fantasy superstar, Marty Tapao from the Seagulls at 13%. And I guess this is, uh, you know, he hasn't moved clubs or anything. It's just, you know, you know what you're getting and it's a good fantasy player. Yeah, definitely. If you want a captain and you're not going to get one of the hookers, he's a good one. Um, really expensive. Break, out, break even is 57, uh, but it was great last year. So no real harm there. Uh, Manly only has a few real stars and, and mm. you expect those guys to be you know, the focal point mm. for them week in, week out, so don't mind it. Doesn't have a lot of quiet games and when he goes big, it's an 80 or a 90. Yep. Um, speaking of, number three, Andrew Fafita, 90%. It's basically the exact same thing, but generally a point or two better. Yep, definitely. Um, in good form, if the All-Stars has anything to go by, uh, yeah, as you say, a bit more expensive, but also better than Tapao. He's been a gun for years and years. Um, he's one of those guys that's uh, deceptively, like he plays big minutes, he gets through, through a lot of work. He doesn't seem like a workhorse type, mm. but, um, but he does. And, uh, and in attack, he's really good. Um, offloads, tackle breaks, scores he got try, a bit of everything. So yeah, really good option if you don't want to get, you know, spend big on a mm. keep captain somewhere else. I've actually got Andrew Fafita in my team at the moment. Yeah. The reason I picked him over to Pow is just because, you know, Gallon's getting older again and his yep. minutes tapered last year Luke Lewis has retired yeah, and Wade Graham's, Graham's out injured he's a real kind of leader now for that pack and they're going to need him on the field as, yeah, as much start as start of the year especially he should be um, a big scorer did you have him in your team before or after the All-Stars game? Oh from, from the day first one. team I built he's been in there and um, I think he's probably going to still be there come round one yep. Uh, number two, another guy that's in my team at the moment, um, Broncos uh, star of the future or probably star of the present, we can now say, Tavita Pangai Jr., 27%. That's pretty convincing. Yeah, very popular. Two Broncos at the top of this list. Um, he was really good last year. Uh, played a bit at lock, a bit in the second row. He's going to be in the middle this year, they've confirmed. Um, so, yeah, a lot to like. He's not cheap. His break-even's in mm. the low 40s, about 43 Um he scored a bit better than that at lock last year, 46. Again, he's young, he's on the up, so he should improve a little. It's hard to know whether he's going to jump all the way to be a keeper, which is 50 points a game and more for a front rower. Um, but yeah, not a lot of downside, so I can see why he's so popular. Yeah, I think um, I'm certainly in the boat of I owned him last year and got some great mileage out of him, so now I just view him positively and want to sure. <laughs> recapture the magic. I might be the opposite. I think I <laughs> sold him way too early. Yeah. And so I have some uh, yeah latent angst about it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see which way it goes this year. Uh, in the top spot is a guy that I'm not convinced he's going to get massive minutes straight away, but he's certainly a, a star in the making. Is Payne Haas, 39% is massive. It is massive. I think it really goes to show how few really cheap front row options there are. Um, and even really, you get you have two starters and then you need a, a backup on your bench mm. somewhere. Um, and it's, it is a difficult position to fill this year. It's a bit like centres usually are. Mm. Um, not a lot of... Great obvious options, but Haas is a lot to like. He's um, he's very young. He's huge. He's a marathon runner by all accounts. Um, <laughs> huge endurance, but yeah, his game time is the big question. So he played about 20 minutes a game last year. Um, didn't score many points. His top score last year was 22 from mm. his three games before he got injured. Um, got injured in a game pretty early on, didn't he? And had yeah, a real low and got scores. a single-digit yeah. score. Um, but uh, yeah, so you're really buying him on potential. Um, Again, that Broncos pack is so stacked, though, so I don't mm. know where the minutes are coming from. You want him to get 30, 40 minutes, ideally. Uh, he won't be starting, so they're going to be bench minutes. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so he's really cheap. It's hard to see him going backwards, but yeah, he's not an absolute, you know, guaranteed money maker like a lot of people are hoping. Yeah, if he does make the seventeen though, it's as a prop, which means you kind of need him for at least half an hour. Yeah. So I think you know it's not like a bench utility. You might get eight or twelve minutes. It's um, as someone who's genuinely in that forward rotation, and and he'll build into minutes as well. Like he's obviously very young. He had a taste of it. Yep. Last year. So if he does find himself in that seventeen week to week, I can see upside there. But you know, if he averages. What, what would be best case, mid-30s, I guess? I think so, yeah. It's really, the concern is if he plays 22 minutes a game or mm. something, um, then he'll probably just stay where he is. But in that case, I guess you can then, you know, turn him into somebody else, you know, when the cash cows start, start arriving elsewhere. So not a lot of risk. Um, yeah. And with so few cheapies, you know, he's better than Royce Hunt. So, <laughs> so n- not a bad buy. Yeah, and like you say, if you have him in your 21, but he's not in your 17 and he's not making money after four or five weeks and you can flick him for someone, someone else, else. it's exactly. sort of no harm done. It's a low-risk option. Yep. Brings us to the end of this week's uh, two positional top 10s. We'll be back uh, next week to review some more trials and a couple more positional top 10s. Um, we might kick off our... Um, was it fan questions? So if yep. people want to uh, shoot in some questions via Twitter to at ckennedy80 or at dom underscore brock. That's, that's the one. It's been a while. I it has been a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, shoot in your questions. And uh, if you've got anything that's this early in the preseason, we'll get to them. But uh, thanks for joining us.